Welcome to the History of Climbing in Unuit podcast. I started climbing in Unuit Canyon shortly after I moved to Grand Junction in 2005 and immediately fell in love with the canyon. Carved through the middle of the Uncompahgre Plateau, these cliffs of granite and ice are an oasis in the middle of a vast sandstone desert. When I first started climbing in Southern California in 2001, many of the guidebooks of the areas that I was climbing in were full of history and stories of the people that developed and climbed there in the past. When I moved to the Western Slope, I found that many of these local developers didn't want to share for fear of crags getting overcrowded, but there was also a lot of tenuous access issues that made sharing either impossible or inappropriate at the time. Over the decades, a few of these properties have been purchased by climbers and climbing organizations like the Western Colorado Climbers Coalition and Access Fund, and more public access has been discovered, opening up more of the canyon for climbing. But unfortunately, there's still only about 10 to 15% of the climbable rock open to the public at this time. Over the decades, as nobody was recording it, much of the history of climbing in Unuweep has been lost or forgotten over time. When I first decided to write a guidebook to Unuweep, I really wanted to get as much of the history as I could recorded and write stories in the book to add to that story. As guidebooks are starting to fade into the shadows while databases like Mountain Project that can and are constantly being updated are becoming the primary resource for route information, guidebooks can still be a useful tool for recording a snapshot of the area and time as well as recording some of the history. With this, I will be sitting down with as many people as are willing to talk to me and I will reach out to longtime climbers of the canyon as well as developers, landowners, and other people that had an impact shaping the face of climbing in the canyon. With each interview, my hope is to fill in the pieces and get more of the story recorded, told by the people that were there. No one has the whole story, but if each person shares their little piece, we can get more fuller story. The idea for this podcast came from me wanting to record the conversations I had with people while getting their stories for the book. And having run a podcast in the past, I knew this long format platform was a great way to get and share more of the stories, but also humanize some of the mythical characters and get the backstories of some of the cliffs and crags as they were developed. One thing I learned from my former podcast is that I have no interest in producing a higher quality cast for the masses, building a following, or becoming a slave to the project. This is intended to be a raw, fact-finding mission, and episodes, for the most part, will be unedited, and there will be no scheduled releases. I will just get them out as I get them done. I did buy a higher quality, portable recording device and some microphones, so the recording quality wouldn't be wretched, but as I'm not an AV professional... As is evident from the very beginning of this episode, there will be times when the sound quality just won't be that great. But if you are a lover of climbing in Unuweep like I am, I hope you can focus on the story and the people and just enjoy the journey. For this first episode, I sat down with Bob and Lisa Eagle, longtime residents and developers of moderate climbs in Unuweep Canyon. And as you will hear in the interview, they started climbing in Unuweep in the early 80s and moved to the canyon in the early 90s. They have developed routes around their home and built trails to access these cliffs and have invited people to come and visit their property to hike and climb and just enjoy the space with them, as long as you are respectful. As I stated before, we had to cut out the first bit of the interview because of sound quality, but we cut right back in here where Bob just starts to talk about when him and Lisa first started to develop the Sun Tower Complex. The sound quality is really bad in the very beginning there, but it's only about the first 64 seconds before the buzz cuts out and the sound quality goes back to normal, so please bear with it. He says a lot of really cool things in the beginning there I didn't want to cut out. Leading into this first bit, we talked about my experience when I first moved to the Western Slope and how there wasn't very many moderate climbs for an out-of-shape climber or a place to take beginners for them to cut their teeth for the first time. At that time, it was 2005, and there was only a handful of moderates, and the Sun Towers was the highest concentration of safe moderates that weren't sandbagged for the most part, 
and it was just a really great place to just have a good day out climbing. So I really hope you enjoy the show, and without further ado, I introduce you to Bob and Lisa Eagle. Talk a little bit about like what led to development of the Sun Towers. Well, I would have to say that it was very unintended, wouldn't you say, Lisa? Yeah. Because we came, we moved yeah. here just because we climbed here when we were in college in, in Patagonia, and we would travel the, the you know, couple hours to get here to, to, to rock on. So we knew it, and when we returned as adults 30 years ago, we, we thought, well, let's put up some roots, look, look at all the rock around. And so we did, we did uh, a lot of the development on lower and upper sun tower, uh, really with no thought of you know, developing them for anyone else but ourselves. And, and, it, and we you know, would do a couple roots and do a couple more, and, and uh, it, there was such a, a wealth of rock here that it was quite easy to do that. And then as time went on, we started thinking about trails. And uh, I'm thinking, gosh, every time we walk up this hill, we're creating a, you know, a new, new little path. So we, we started working on the trails and thinking other people are eventually going to come. And, and I think at that point we realized this is this is a development for for others as well and I, but i think uh initially uh we're just looking after ourselves <laughs> <laughs> we're looking for fun things to do yeah. yeah well it's really cool because like you guys have you bought this property you live here full-time in the canyon uh -huh. and you've lived here since uh, 1993 yeah and you know, one of the things that's always struck me is that you guys built these trails across your property um, to be able to climb on these cliffs. And that's not something that happens a lot in this canyon. Mm. Um, Unaweep mm. is an yeah. amazing place. But, you know, it, we're sitting in your living room right now and we can look out the window to, I guess that's the east. Mm -hmm. And there's a cliff there that is all on public land, yeah. but surrounded by private property all yeah. in front of it. And there's no way to access that cliffside. Yeah. And that's kind of the case all throughout the canyon, which is really kind of a bummer. Right. Um, but also, like, maybe that's one of the things that makes this place so special, too. But at the same time, it makes it kind of, like, a little bit uninviting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think that there's not a lot of uh, people climbing in Unuit because there's not guidebooks to it. We're not. I think it's more because, of, like, the shenanigans that come along with like being mm. able to access the cliff sides yeah. and people like you yeah. that are willing to open up your, your land and say, yeah, just, as long as you're respectful, you know, mm -hmm. please feel free to, and then you guys develop the routes on top of it. And it's just, it's really amazing mm -hmm. that you guys have done that for yeah. the community. Yeah. So oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has been a, a problem in Unuweep with all of this private property in front of all of the climbs and, and how to respectfully cross private property to get to the climbs. And it, when we first moved here, really, it was only Sunday Wall and Mother's Buttress that was being climbed much at all. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just lucky that at that time, the rancher that owned pretty much this whole valley uh, didn't really, it wasn't really strict about nobody crossing his land. But then, when we moved in, and that's how we bought this land from them, it was the Craig family that, that were long time, you know, ranchers, multi-generational ranchers in here. 
we bought from them and that was when they started subdividing all of these little parcels in here. And that was when uh, people really became more, um, this is my land and, and um, we don't want you to cross it. Yeah. And so luckily, Access Fund has done a great job mm. of buying, you know, first a path and then a, some friends of ours bought the land that was right in front of, um, is it Mother's Buttress, mm -hmm. Steve and Kathy Feller, and they were big climbers too. So oh, it just seemed like in that time, around 93 or so, some climbers were buying land that was in front of these, these climbs. And so it was all fine. All of a sudden, it was just fine to have great access to, to all of these routes. And that was sort of when we were developing this too. And we didn't really think of it as opening, opening up the, avail the availability for people to go climbing here because it was just happening. And people right. were buying the land and it was opening up. But then people were selling and moving and that mm -hmm. was then becoming the problem. But, but we really did start the trails just so that, that uh, it's such a fragile environment up here with it being you know high arid, high desert land that you walk off trail a few times and you've made a trail. Right, yeah. You know, so we, we really wanted to, to pre preserve the, uh, the environment as it is. And, and you can see by our land, we, we really haven't, we've tried so much to not change than the native plants that are here. We didn't want to grow grass around our, yeah. our house or whatever. And uh, so we thought we better build these trails. And truly a lot of the trails we bought too, were because our parents were getting older mm. and we wanted them to be able to walk an easy trail when yeah. they came up to visit us too. Well, now it's us as we're older, we're, <laughs> we're walking the easy, easy trails though too. But it, it was good when we uh, started developing the trails and it, a lot of times climbers too would just be on their way up or down from a climb and move rocks out of the trail and just help to establish the trails too. One time a, a Knowles group, we were up doing, a tra doing the trail up to Sun Towers and uh, you know, it's kind of slow going when it's just the two of us building it. And then the Knowles group went by us. And that was probably around 95 or so. And we came back and they were still up climbing. We came back and went back the next day. The whole trail was made. <laughs> you know, we didn't ask anybody to do it, but they just did it. And oh, that's it, so it awesome. It was really nice. And a lot of, you know, we just really believe in uh, a lot of the climbing community has, has helped out with the trail building and that's been nice nice and trail maintenance a bit yeah and so that's good too but it's it's we always have thought that we want we have this land to share it that's awesome and we really would like we don't care if you're just coming to hike here or coming to access cl climbs or whatever you want to do it's it's open yeah that's cool now the way that the, the property lines lay out, the sun towers are actually on your neighbor's property. That's right. Um, but at some point, you guys, did you, were you the ones that approached them and said, hey, are you okay with us developing routes on here and climbing here? Or, you know, how did that all come about? 
we'd already had those developed before anyone built next door. And I think it was still the Craigsland. And yeah, like it, Lisa said, they sold to Todd and Ellen. And one day we were up on the on the lower sun towers and we heard, hey, get off, <laughs> get off of there. And we looked down and we thought, oh, there's people down there. We haven't <laughs> seen people down there. So we rappelled down and walked down and we said, hi. And they said, what are you doing up there? And we said, oh, we're your neighbors next door. We're just rock climbing. They go, oh, oh, okay, that's all right. We said, do you mind? And they said, oh, heck no, we don't mind. And we don't mind if anyone else climbs there too. Right and that was the beginning of of a lot of development and, and a lot of people using upper and lower sun tower. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Things have changed. Yeah, things have changed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what was it, uh, 2020, I think it was, was when that property sold? Maybe it was 2019 yeah. and then it finalized in 2020? Maybe, maybe, yeah. But with the new property owners, they've decided that they don't want people climbing on there. And so they've shut that down. That's correct. And yeah, I mean, I know that you guys have reached out to them. Access yeah. Fund has reached out to them. Yeah. Uh, Western Colorado Climbers Coalition's reached mm -hmm. out to them. And yeah, it's really kind of a bummer, but it also kind of emphasizes how temperamental our access mm -hmm. on private mm -hmm. property mm -hmm. is in this canyon. Because mm -hmm. for decades, we had a property owner that was willing to allow us to climb mm -hmm. on that cliff. Mm -hmm. And all it took was the selling of the property and, yeah. and now that's mm -hmm. gone. And that's kind of the challenge throughout the canyon. Like I sat on the board for the Climbers Coalition for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we were constantly in negotiations with different uh, property owners mm. all throughout the canyon. Mm. And there's been times where we had access negotiated. And then somebody came through and was a jerk. And the property owner's like, nope, I'm, nope, yeah. not happening, I'm done. Um, yeah, you've told that story. That, yeah. The one that you experienced very similar to that. Where I can't remember who it was up canyon here. Uh, I believe it. I think you, you told that story where uh, someone was very welcoming and then someone came up and, and was a jerk. And the oh, guy yes. said, no, yeah. I, I don't want you guys here anymore. Yeah, sorry. It took me a minute. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, so Alex Garhart, um, yeah. he negotiated access to a cliff that he called the Smith Wall. And that was because the, the man's name, his last name was Smith. I don't remember hmm. his first name. Um, but yeah, he would go and have tea after he climbed with this guy yeah. on his porch and they just sit there and chat. And this is a gentleman that was in his eighties and just, mm. you know, and he allowed, he said, yeah, you know, if somebody comes up, knocks on the door and says, you know, I want to come climbing. And they, they came up with the liability waiver just to, to make mm. sure. And that's all he was asking. Mm. And then one day some guy went up there and he was just solo climbing. And you know, the guy goes up there and goes, Hey, you were supposed to ask permission. You're on my property. And the guy was a total jerk to him. And, and so he decided to shut it down. Mm. And this is something, you know, Alex was heartbroken by this yeah. because, you know, yeah. this is a, a person that yeah. Alex grew a friendship with. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's kind of been yeah. the case throughout the canyon a few yeah. times. Yeah. It's very fragile, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And the thing that yeah. I've, I've thought about this a lot because, like, when I first got involved with the Climbers Coalition, I was like, well, why wouldn't they let us climb on their property? Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the best analogy that I've come up with that helps me, like at least put this in, in perspective in my mind, is like if I had a property and say <coughs> some cult wanted to worship a vortex on my property, hmm. the first couple that came, I'd be like, yeah, you guys are all right. Like, yeah, you know, that, that's fine. And then if they were just like inviting people from all over the country or potentially mm -hmm. all over the world, and then all of a sudden there's crowds there. 
Like I could see being like, you know, I, I'm not in this cult and I'm not yeah. you know, part of you guys. And I, I really don't want to be that inviting to have this many people yeah. coming into my space. Very understandable. Yeah. And so while I don't think necessarily climbers are cult, we tend to be but a little are, culty in some of our stuff. We are a group. <laughs> We're a community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we have a, another example along that line. Uh, Snyder Falls mm -hmm. is a wonderful ice climb, but you have to cross private property. And I found public access. There was a gal. There was a gal who totally granted anybody wanted to walk, go across and and climb, and and she had owned that property for her whole life. I I don't I Mary Hudson. I don't know if if the generation before her also had that property, but she had been there many many years. And uh, when well when we met her, she probably was in her eighties already, and. Mm living there by yourself, doing ranching with cattle, and very wonderful lady, very nice, nice lady. And uh, all of a sudden, we heard no more ice climbing on Snyder Falls, and uh, we didn't understand it, and we didn't hear why, but we just heard, no, it's closed down, big no trespassing signs on the little road that we used to go in on. And so we went to her house, and we said, well, you know, we don't understand what's going on. Why did you close uh, Snyder Falls off to climbing? And she says, a climber walked by and cut out the tongue of one of my cows. And what? we were, and we thought, well, Mary, that's really strange. Do you know, do you know that? And she says, well, no, but one of my cows had been slaughtered just like that. And we said, you know, we've been climbing for a long time and we pretty much know the climbing community. And we can't imagine a climber who would do that action. Yeah. Well, only a few climbers would do that. <laughs> no, we really didn't. And Most we, of us are vegans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so we said, we, we really can't. First, you know, first of all, I don't think that climbers have a lot of experience around cattle, so I don't even know if they could catch one to hurt one. But you know, so we were trying, we were trying to explain to her that really climbers are quite gentle people, and and in the most part, and we thought it very strange that, but it, but you can understand. Yeah. How she, no, but she didn't know anybody else that was crossing her property except for climbers, and a very unusual thing to happen, you know, back in the nineties, right. that that her cow would get mutilated, and so of course you could see how she would go that direction. But so we just talked to her for a while, and, she, and then she said, you know, I'll, I'll open my land again, awesome. Thank but you. this time, you know, if it, if anything else happens like this. Uh, um, we can't, I can't allow this anymore. And luckily, nothing else ever happened yeah, to yeah. her cattle. But, you know, it, it, it is very fragile. And, and it's not only climbers that, that might, might um, hurt the reputation of climbers. Yeah. You know, so. No, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another similar story in the Colorado National Monument. Uh, there was a, a legal easement that we were kind of uh, in a gray area crossing through a drainage uh, to get up to Tierra Rado Buttress. And it was a, a major shortcut. It cut like three miles off the hike in. Mm -hmm. It was a lot uh, quicker and shorter, not as steep. And the people that owned the property there were tired of the kids going back there and partying. Mm -hmm. 
And so they decided to reach out to the Park Service and see if they could close that off, and the Park Service agreed. Mm -hmm. And they actually came in, this is back when I owned the climbing gym, they came in and talked to me about it. And I said, well, you know, can we, can we discuss this? Can we talk about this? Because like, it's not climbers that are back there destroying this mm -hmm. property. Um, they're not going back there and partying. They're, if anything, we pick up trash as we go through. Yeah. And then she's like, nope, I'm just, I'm tired of people going back there. And so like the only ones that respected it were the climbers. Mm -hmm. And she actually came back in a year later. It was like, hey, back when we talked a year ago, you said that climbers would be willing to, to clean some of this mess up. Yeah. Uh, would you be willing to organize a cleanup? I said, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Can we discuss opening access to that again? She goes, oh, no, no, I still don't want anybody going through there. <laughs> And it was like, well, then, yeah. no, I mean, I'm not going to be the one that <laughs> yeah. goes through and organizes yeah. the cleanup for that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know I, I feel for you, but, yeah. and apparently because yeah. no climbers were going through there, none of the trash was being picked up. And so it actually like hurt the environment. Yeah. And so, yeah. it, and I'm not trying to benevolize climbers because like not all of us, yeah. and then not all of us all the time are, are yeah. the best, most, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the best stewards. Um, but I think for the most part, most climbers try and take care of the areas right. that we right. use. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's a bummer that we lost the Sun Towers, um, but you guys have, you know, there was uh, the Twin Owls and the Beehive that only had a, a two or three routes on them before, mm -hmm. but just mm -hmm. recently you guys have really stepped up and you, you've almost recreated the Sun Towers on these blocks over yeah. here. They're all on yeah. uh, either your property or BLM land. Yeah, so. That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, thank you. I mean, that's yeah. a, a really good uh, thing that you've done for the community once again. And I, I got to say, that's like, nice. uh, I found Wildcat One, actually uh, Pasquale and I separately found Wildcat One or the Wildcat area uh, and we both visited it one day apart, not knowing that the other one had found it. Oh, really? And so the day that I went out wow. there, uh, there was snow on the ground and I'm walking around and I look down and I see two footprints, like as if somebody was standing there <laughs> staring at the cliff <laughs> and I go, a climber has been here. Uh -huh. And so I reached out to all the developers I knew at the canyon. I was like, Hey, uh, are you over this area? And I tracked down Pasquale. And then him and I put up a few routes and he's, you know, Pasquale bounces all over the canyon. He doesn't mm. uh, stay to one area, but uh, mm. him and I put up a few routes there and he goes, yeah, have fun putting up the rest. And he moved on to something else. And, uh, but at that time, that was right when the sun towers were shutting down. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, that's a huge yeah. hit to the community. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a goal of mine to find as many easier routes, you know, uh, safe moderates mm. for people to work mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. um, you know, and like, Betty and Ray's adventure, for example, was like one of the, the best easy multi-pitch climbs for people to get their first multi-pitch. Mm -hmm. And that's over on the upper sun tower. Mm -hmm. And that was lost that day. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, Alex, he, he put up uh, uh, threads on reflection wall over there, Wildcat, which is a three pitch five, six. That's right. That, you know, so nice. now we once again have uh, a moderate multi-pitch, yeah. you know, between that and like scanners and dreamscape, like those are three, sure. you know, where people can get yeah. their first introduction. Yeah. But, you know, Betty and Ray's adventure, uh, Cody Absher, who owns the, the new Grip Bouldering Gym, one of the owners, uh, when he first, you know, I started taking him outside climbing, we went and did Otter's Route, and he goes, yeah, you know, this is fun and all, but I don't feel like I got the full multi-pitch experience, you know, because there's like a ledge at every oh, belay wow. on the yeah. Otter's Route. Yeah. And so I brought him over, and his second multi-pitch was Betty and Ray's, uh, and he was like, yeah, okay, like, this feels more like yeah. I'm actually out on a yeah. cliffside, so... Mm. Yeah. And yeah. over the years, I brought a lot of beginners up there yeah. for their first multi-pitch. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it was really kind of a bummer, or not kind of a bummer, it was a major bummer to, mm. to lose mm -hmm. access to that. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. It may change in the future, who knows? It may, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what surprises me too is that, I, you know, you put up these seven, six sevens and eights, and they're popular. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean that somebody who's a 5'10 climber doesn't come over here and climb these also. And, and that was what was nice for us to see, because we thought, ah, oh, they're not going to get used that much, because everybody's going to be challenging themselves on all these hard routes that are down canyon a little bit. But I'll tell you, it's, it's what we see, it's been one of the more popular areas, yeah. just because it's fun. Yeah. 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 One thing that, that, you know, some doors close and others open. Mm -hmm. And one of the only, it's okay with us that Sun Towers got closed down. It is as it is. But the only regret is a lot of those routes were named for personal things. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, Betty and Ray's adventure. Betty and Ray are Bob's mom and dad. Oh. And uh, a lot of the other routes up there, like Dover Court, that was the town that my mom lived in in oh. England. And we just had a lot of personal names for for those routes mm -hmm. over there. We have a, a route over there called Karen's Route, which is my sister. Uh. And so those kind of things. And as we've moved the routes over to Sun Tower, uh, over to Beehive and uh, Twin Owls, now we have all the names relating to bees and right. to owls. <laughs> and so we don't have a lot of really personal um, names of our families or whatever over on these new routes. Yeah. But it's okay. It is <laughs> as it is. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you two meet? We both were going to college in at Western State in Gunnison. And uh, uh, yeah, just had a... a mutual friend and uh, went to a dinner together with yeah. some mutual friends. The yeah. sparks flew. <laughs> <laughs> Our knees touched and, and then it was all over. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, that was in 1980. 1980, right yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And then we married in 1982 when we graduated from college there. Oh, yeah. nice. uh, what were you majoring in? I went. I got a double major, a double major in chemistry and mathematics, and no, I was studying English and physical education. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh, did you? Were you guys climbers already when you met, or how did you start climbing? Yeah, I started in high school, okay. a junior in high school, '74, I guess is would be the year, and then uh, I introduced it to Lisa, and we started climbing at Hartman's Rocks, and then. Gunnison. Yeah, and Gunnison and coming over here and uh, yeah, and then she took hold and uh, yeah. <laughs> I was petrified on my first climb because it was a pinnacle on the side of a hill. So, you know, you climb up the top side of it, but you're way up when you look down the back, the back side of it. And I was crying at the top of it because I'd never climbed or done any of that before. It was very scary. Surprise! I stuck with you, honey. Well, I, I said, Lisa, I'll just lower you. And we thought, okay, this is kind of straightforward. I, I lower her on the rope and she just kind of, you know, walks her way down. Well, she ended up leaning forward, hanging onto the rope. And by the time we got to the bottom, her knuckles were, were bleeding and she just was scraping down the side of the cliff. Didn't I'll didn't have the wherewithal to take her hands off the rope and maybe walk the, walk down the rock. 
No wonder um, I was crying. But it got better from there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, got it got better, much better. from there. Well, yeah. you still yeah. climb, so apparently yeah. it didn't right. oh, she kill climbed. your passion yeah. for it. She climbs yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Right on. So you guys were both nurses, right? Or at least, yeah. yeah. We both were. Yeah. So you mind talking about that a little bit? Uh, no. We, yeah. We start when, after we graduated um, from college, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. And we did, we had these very broad degrees. And so we thought, what should we do? So we decided to join the Peace Corps. Oh. Well, you had to be, we, we wanted to go together to and be, go in the same country in the same town and all that. And they said, well, if you want to do that, you need to be married. So Bob was on the phone to the Peace Corps people and said, well, you want to get married? And so I said, okay. And he said to the lady, okay, we'll be married. And uh, we, had a nice, we had a nice wedding when we graduated from college and then went to Peace Corps together right um, in Kenya. And then we were teachers there first. Mm. And he had his teaching certificate and I didn't ha have one, but they needed math teachers so much that you didn't need to have a teaching certificate to do math. And so he taught in Kenya for two years and came back and taught here for one year. And I didn't really enjoy teaching in mm. the States. So I went back to nursing school. And a few years later, Bob followed mm -hmm. to nursing school. You had full careers there. Huh. Now we're done. <laughs> now you're retired. Yeah, now we're busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're enjoying your retirement. Yeah. Then. Oh, it's so wonderful, Randall. Yeah. It is nice. Well, I've been trying to lock you guys down for this interview for quite yeah. some time. And yeah. it's, it's, you guys are always someplace oh. else in the country. And it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's really cool. It's good. Yeah. 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 Right on. And then, like, during COVID, you guys both volunteered quite a bit to help with vaccinations and stuff. you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, we, we uh, gave uh, vaccinations for probably two years uh, during the pandemic and uh, had other volunteer uh, positions at the local hospice. Uh, it's at Hope West, Hope West Hospice, and, and volunteered there just as, uh, you know, helpers to the nurses and aides and things like that. And that kept us busy. And uh, between that and trips, we were very busy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you guys, you said 93, you bought this house and you, you kind of moved to Unaweep and. Well, like, we bought the land. You bought the land, you built the yes. house. Yeah, built the right house. Um, what drew you to Unaweep over like er other areas that you might have decided to settle in on? Uh, back then, it was just the climbing, Randall. You know, yeah. we knew it from, from college. We'd been away, we'd, you know, been different places for, I don't know. Eight, ten years, maybe, probably well, eleven years, yeah. eleven married years. Yeah, yeah, eleven married years, and came back here, and we just knew this. Um, this was this was our our climbing area when we were younger, and that's the total reason, the only reason we started looking up here, and we found land was cheaper, oddly enough, up here than it was anywhere else up on the up on the mesa, up Glade Park, Plateau Valley. We looked all those places and. We thought, well, we can't afford up here, and we finally did, and we found uh, land for really reasonable, so we jumped on it. Our yeah. biggest mistake is we didn't buy this lot and that yeah. lot. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're pointing at but, the sun towers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. At, at that time, you know, we are young and didn't have any money, and so we were lucky yeah. just to get one lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, and you, you two never had kids, or did you have kids? Did not. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever discuss possibly having kids? or? Oh, yeah. We're childless by choice. Okay. And uh, we just have lived a lifestyle that just wouldn't, is not very conducive to having kids because we like to move around. And really, kind of about every two years throughout our whole lives, we have done different adventures, whether it's, uh, you know, closing the doors of the cabin and leaving to go on a sailboat that we, we were gonna sail around the world, even though we are born and raised pretty much in Colorado, never stepped foot on a big boat before. Oh, that's and awesome. we thought, we're gonna go and uh, sail around the world. But just little adventures like that throughout our lives. And we would think, well, maybe in two years, we might feel like settling down enough so that kids would be a nice addition. But two years had come and we'd think, now nah, we're gonna you know, go do some other adventure. We're on our way to do it, something else. And we'd think, nah, it just, it just wasn't, the right, it wasn't the right lifestyle for us. Yeah, and it's similar for me. I decided to not have kids as well. Like even when I was married, uh, you know, my ex-wife at one point was like, you know, I might want to have kids someday. And then, you know, our marriage fell apart and all that stuff before yeah. it ever came about. But like I, mm. for my entire life, I've just been like, no, nope, mm. it's not that I don't like kids. I yeah. used to work for a school district teaching mm. and yeah. I loved it. I love working with kids. Yeah. You know, I still miss that mm. job, you know, especially my old climbing team because I got to coach a climbing team there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for me, yeah. it was just, no, not really. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel so lucky to have found a partner. Who feels the same that we both feel yeah. the same because I think that's an important part of yeah, keeping a marriage together and yeah. a relationship going to have the same values on raising children. Good yeah. Point. Well, and that yeah, I mean I've been hanging out with you guys on and off for a couple of years now, and like one of the things I really love about you guys is you're so supportive of each other. Oh, you know, like that day that we were up uh, just putting up a couple routes, putting in anchors up on the beehive up there. Um, just watching you two work together was like really, it was cool to watch. Oh, like, good. It, you know, I'm like, that's what I'm looking for in a relationship. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, well, that's good to hear. It, it's very inspirational. Oh. So um, yeah. out of curiosity, though, has it always been like that? Or have you guys had to? There's well, always ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, uh, it, it, what I think is an interesting whole concept in life is uh, it's two very individual people that are put together for the rest of your life. And how strange is that? <laughs> you know, and, and you're expected to get along every day, yeah. you know, whether you go to work or, or, and Bob and I have always worked at the same place throughout our whole lives. So we really haven't gone away to go to work either. So we've been together pretty much every day for 41 years now. And yeah, there's been some tough times and, uh, yeah. It's also a blessing, though, yeah. to be able to come home from wherever you are and have a slumber party with your friend, your best friend. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do every night. We yeah. have slumber parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have picnics. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. every meal's a picnic. Mm. And Don would say every, every day's a holiday. <laughs> and it can be that way. Yeah. Heck yeah. 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 High five. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And like I said, yeah. it's, it's, it's inspirational. I mean, it well, thank you for Yeah, thank you. That's a very nice that, compliment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's normal to have ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, let's get back to the climbing aspects of the, again. Uh, 
how did you guys first hear about Uniweep? And when, when was your first time here? Like what year about, do you remember? When did we start? It must have in been Gunnison? in, um, well, we graduated in 82, so it must have been in 80. You yeah, must have come here in 81, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I used to come out here with, uh, with buddies in, in early 80s, 81, 82, I would guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just recognized it as a, as a, you know, plethora of, of possibilities. Yeah. You know? And of course, Casey Baum, uh, who wrote that guidebook, at that time had a, uh, he had a mimeographed guide. It was just, I don't know, I think about a dozen pages stapled together, <laughs> bought it at a climbing shop down on Main Street. In Grand Junction. Yeah, it might have been. Was it Casey Baum or was it Andy Peatfish that had that? It was Casey Baum. Oh, had okay. The, had, well, I know Andy Peatfish had one as well, but Casey had a full sheeted one. I think Andy Peatfish had kind of a smaller version. Oh, okay, because uh, I've I, seen the peat fish one. I haven't yeah. seen the Is it a smaller? Yeah. Kind of a, yeah, yeah. Andy just had, uh, you know, mimeographed things. It wasn't a, I don't think it was published. I think he just handed it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because his was uh, 92, I think, was what the date was on the, uh, the one, or the copy I saw of it. So, I mean, how did you find out about so, routes in the so canyon? So, in the 80s, it was. Oh, I, I can't remember. Yeah. You know, whoever I was climbing with back then. Now, don't you had to know somebody who knew? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. someone must have said, hey, let's go to Unilweep. And, and I said, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and we came here and, yeah, so I, I don't remember, Randall. That, my mind doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, it was a long time ago. You're asking yeah, tough questions. <laughs> it was 47 years ago. Wow, yeah. Uh, so back then, though, you were saying that it was all owned by one person, and that person didn't care if people crossed his property to go climbing as long as they were respectful. Um, well, we didn't know that. It seemed like that. It seemed oh, that way. Okay. We didn't know. We didn't care. Yeah. You know, as we, uh, 20, yeah. early 20-something, 20-year-old kids, we, you know, we saw it and we just hopped a fence and walked up there. There were no turnstiles. There were no gates. Um, and we didn't yeah. think anything. We didn't think about access. We truly didn't. Hmm. I guess that's maybe... I don't know. That's problematic now, those, certainly. Yeah, I think back in those days, people weren't so um, restrictive, maybe, of their their boundaries. Maybe because there maybe. weren't so many of us? Yeah, maybe because there weren't so many. Uh, like you're saying, well, it's okay for a few, but... Yeah. And really, there there weren't that many people, and especially not that many people climbed in Uniweep. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Even when we moved here in 93 and just went down like to Sunday Wall and were climbing there, we would rarely see any other people. Yeah. 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 And nowadays, I mean, especially yeah. during the pandemic, I, mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. So when the Climbers Coalition bought Mother's Buttress, uh, we built a parking lot there. And uh, we built half of what we had planned out. And then during the pandemic, I was working on Wildcat One. And every time I drove through here on the weekend, it was just like, wow, like just so many cars Four. there. Yeah. 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 So, it, and then they actually, yeah. uh, I'm not on the board for the Climbers Coalition, and, and I wasn't at that time, uh, but I was like sending them pictures like, hey guys, it might be time to build the other half of the parking lot. Yeah. And so the second half of the parking lot's now been built, and there's, nice. there's quite a bit more parking. Mm -hmm. I think there was five spots before, and 
uh, I don't know, I haven't counted them, but there's significantly more parking spots there now. Good job. Right yeah, yeah. So. But we say that, Randall, and still, you can still climb in Unuweep for a whole day and not see anybody else. Yeah. You know, and especially midweek, it's, it's still, I think, a, such a nice, quiet um, climbing area. Yeah. Well, and that... That crowded time is spring and fall when the temps are good. I've come here yeah. in the middle of summer where the temps are just good enough. You know, like, yeah, it's a little warm, but like we're at 7,000 feet about mm -hmm. there. So it's a little bit cooler than it is down in Grand Junction. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've come up here in the middle of summer and been the only person on the cliff yeah. on a yeah. beautiful Sunday. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, during the, the peak times when, you know, right about now, uh, you know, we're, t we're doing this interview end of October. Um, this is about when it starts to get crowded. This weekend, not so much because it's raining, but mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. now, the rain kind of thwarted yeah. my plans. I've been, yeah. I got another, another new area I'm working on that I, I didn't okay. get to get out to today because Good. of the rain. But I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a cool place. Like yeah. a, the rock right in the middle of it is like a, a detached block. I mean, it's kind of attached, but um, it looks like a skeleton foot. <gasps> so I'm going to uh, name the routes like... Uh, uh, oh, I can't think of the, the bones of the foot. Oh, like metatarsals. Uh, tarsals, metatarsals, and phalanges. That's yeah. the name of the routes. <laughs> <laughs> and how far up Divide Road is that? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, mum's the word. Oh, yeah. A few more weeks and I'll be yeah. done. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't really worry about that stuff as far as like, I've only one time ever had somebody come in and, and like put up routes on top of something I was working on, knowing that I was there working on oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm usually one that is willing to share once I'm done. Yeah. You know, I, I started putting together the mini guides and my reasoning for doing that is, is I want the locals to have the first chance because as soon as something gets on mountain project, then people from out of town are going to hit it too, which I, yeah. I want that to happen eventually. But I feel like the locals should have first go at it. Yeah. And it, it's actually been beneficial to me where, like, I've had people hit me up and be like, oh, hey, so, you know, like, I removed this big rock off of there um, and this happened. And, like, I get local mm. beta mm. on, like, what's going mm. on at that mm. crag after mm -hmm. I walk away. Because, you know, my eyes are good, but they're not that good. I don't see everything. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it's nice yeah. to have that. And and then after, you know, two, three months of, of letting the local traffic be on it, then I usually will post it to Mountain Project. Mm. Makes and, sense. Yeah, when you guys added yeah. all this stuff with the beehive and the twin yeah. owls, we did the same thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we did. that, that yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys got feedback from that, but I definitely heard from some people like you know, some really positive feedback on the routes that you guys put back We don't hear yeah. really. I think yeah. you'd have to, uh, I guess, be a frequent frequent reader of Mountain Projects, and we're not. So but right, I yeah. guess or be Is on Facebook or something. Is that where you see feedback on Mountain Projects, no. or just in town people? Yeah, like when I run into people, yeah. you know, or like I've got, you know, a lot of friends in town and, yeah. you know, like either they were the ones that experienced it or they'll tell me somebody yeah. told them. Oh, yeah. good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, even though I haven't really truly lived in Grand Junction for yeah. uh, like four or five years now, I still kind of have a connection yeah. in the community mm -hmm. there. So yeah. I, I hear yeah. some of the stuff. Yeah. What was the first route you ever put up? Do you remember? Uh, first route here was... Uh, Daffy Duck Pinnacle. Oh, yeah? Probably one of the hardest uh, in, the, in this area, anyway, and certainly the hardest for us. And that was, I think that was our first thing. We kind of, we saw the pinnacle and we thought, oh, that looks really cool. And uh, went up and worked it a little bit. And, and uh, I think now it doesn't get done much. 
it's kind of a bold lead and it we just had friends do it uh, a couple of weeks ago and they suggested that it should have a R or an X rating mm. because of the overhang and just being protected with a you know a small cam so um, we're not too sure about it. Interesting thing, thing about that, though, we put that up, and that was right at the beginning. You know, we were kind of scrounging around for for our for equipment to use for that to to bolt it and to put anchors up top, and we we use these little uh, uh, I think they were three quarter inch caving bolts. Oh, geez. We put two of those at the top for us to get down, and um, and and that was fine. You know, we we climbed it and then got down, and and so that was fine. And then we started seeing people going up there. And we talked to uh, Jesse Zacher about that. And the kind man that he is, uh, he went up there and, and uh, put some solid bolts in yeah. uh, for, for people to climb that. So he, he was, you know, the lead bolts are, are okay, but uh, those top ones were kind of manky. And he saw that. <laughs> he said, can I help you with that? And we said, oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. So we appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think that, um, there's an ethic that's changed in the canyon, well, and across climbing around the world. Uh -huh. um, you know, like there's the whole anti-bolting, yeah. and then there's the people that put too many bolts, you know, according to some people, and all that. And I think that, like, when you were of the thought that nobody else was going to climb this except for us, you know, putting in a manky yeah. piece of gear that, like, yeah. you were the only yeah. one who was going to use it. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe mm -hmm. one or two other people. But, you know, mm -hmm. it really wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But, like, as it gets more popular, you know, you have to start thinking about, like, that's a time bomb just sitting there waiting exactly. to explode on yes. somebody. So yeah. true. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it, it, it's, like, one of those things where, like, the ethic has to change. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, people are just going to start dying, and that's going to destroy mm -hmm. the sport. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the, mm -hmm. there is something to... Like, uh, like I, I have some friends that are really into desert towers and for them, they're just like, you know, they'll put in the sketchiest gear ever. And that just like adds to the excitement for them. You know, I'm, they're not modifying the rock in any way. So yeah. it's just like, well, yeah, you yeah. know, like I put up this yeah. A4 yeah. and you know, that's great. But then I'm like, yeah, but like only a handful of people could do that because otherwise people will start dropping and yeah. then access gets shut down. Like sure. it causes yeah. all kinds of problems. Yeah. Um, so I, I see like the appeal to that. But, like, that has its place. And then I see the appeal to, like, you know, I definitely lean on the side of making it for the masses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, putting stuff up that mm -hmm. is going to uh, benefit the community for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, paying attention to, like, the rock mm -hmm. that you're in and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And, like, yeah. putting in stuff that's sustainable for a mm -hmm. long time is, mm -hmm. is kind of, mm -hmm. it's the direction that the sport is going in. But it's also mm -hmm. kind of the direction the sport has to mm -hmm. go in. Mm -hmm. with, so. with that in mind, maybe one time in the future we can talk about this particular route up here that is sketchy and it's a wonderful setting, but it, it is kind of scary. And we, I, you know, I don't think this is the right time to talk about it, but maybe uh, putting in something that makes it a little safer now. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ethic of the, of the climbing community has always been the person who puts the route up yeah. Yeah. as the one that gets to say yeah. if modifications need to be made to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, even uh, uh, Bridwell, him and a couple of people put up Snake Dyke on Half Dome, 
And mm -hmm. when some friends hit him up, said, hey, we want to go repeat that route. He goes, yeah, bring some bolts with you. It adds up to it. it <laughs> we well, did. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's one of those things where, yeah, we can talk mm -hmm. about it another time. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. And, That's and good to hear. I, I really agree with what you're saying is that I think it's changing over time, too. And we when we first started putting bolts up, it was a, a bit more controversial and people really didn't put up that many bolts. So I think when we bolted this, um, you were a, you had to really be a strong 10 climber to do it. And if there was a place you could put in a piece, maybe, even if it was sketchy, you'd put in that piece right. and you wouldn't bolt it there. Whereas as now I think that being that there are, and there were no no such thing as sport routes back then remember and yeah. uh, and so uh, now that all of the sport routes are out i think people are getting more and more um accepting of having a few more bolts in some sketchy places and these were young people that were climbing it you know 30 they were 30 and 33 year olds that were climbing it and they were calling it you know an x or an r and uh, and we thought, well, you could have got some sketchy pieces in there, but um, but I think it's going the way that well, if it's really that sketchy, put in a bolt there then, and I think, think you that's, know another that's, thing. I think that's fine because I, I think as we age too, we want the sport to be safer. Yeah. 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 Well, in in back then when we were doing that too, we were do, doing it by hand. We were hand drilling those, uh -huh. and that makes a difference too. Oh yeah, you, you can't yeah. you know put them in like they put them in in a, a you know a, a France sport area, you know uh, four or five feet apart when you're hand drilling. You know you kind of have uh -huh. to save your energy because that takes some time. You know, I can speak to that from experience. When I put up Black Bunny Rabbit over at uh, Other Mothers, yeah, Did you I hand did, drill. Uh, I hand drilled every one of those, and it was a sport route. Yeah, oh. and oh I put gosh. the bolts eight to twelve feet apart because I had to hand drill. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. And so that that first yes. bolt that took me, I don't know, uh, probably about. Uh, I don't want to exaggerate, but it, I want to say it took me 10 to 15 minutes to place the first bolt. It oh. took me more like 45 minutes to place this, the last bolt. Yeah. And so I hand drilled the anchor mm -hmm. and then I hand drilled all those. And as soon as I got home from that, I went on eBay and I found a power drill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and had someone else yeah. type because your arms weren't we, working. Yeah, we used yeah. to say that it would take it would take 20 minutes to hand drill a bolt. And then we got the drill. And I think we could put in a bolt in four minutes. Yeah. Oh, start yeah. to start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is that was your first route you put up here. Uh, what was your first route you ever put up anywhere? Oh gosh, that might have been it. Gosh, Can you well, think of well, when we lived in Kenya? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you put up some routes in Kenya. Well, we they weren't exactly called putting them up, but we mm. just climbed. Because we lived in a small village and uh, there was beautiful rock right out of this, the few shops that were in the village. And uh, we went up there. We climbed a lot. But we did. We no never, one else climbed. There. Nobody yeah. there climbed. Yeah. No. But um, we could call that putting up I roots. Suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Pretty much it's all no, been right it. here. Yeah. 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 Well, and like outside yeah. of the, the sun towers and beehive all that all, everything that's within view of your property 
Uh, you've told me about a couple of other routes that you put yeah. out through the canyon, but yeah, like down across canyon. the street and yeah, 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 one across the street, and I think I've told you about uh, what we call witch crack, the off width, the two pitches of uh, off width uh, struggle down there, about ten miles down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, do you have a a route that you think of as being like the most memorable? Uh, something where you're like, yeah, you know, that was kind of the like that was cool. Like something that. I mean, just in in general. In, yeah. Or yeah. in our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think of I think of the uh, again almost all of our climbing together uh, in since we've been married has been just the two of us, and we we climbed the ice window route on Mount Kenya, you know, summits at seventeen thousand feet, and that I think was my most memorable, mainly because it was so wild. There's no chance of, or very minimal chance of rescue, and no one else up there, and in a third world country, uh, and it was, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. You know, spent the night up on the, on the summit. Uh, you know, we got up there late and got off route, coming down the next, the next day and lost our whole rack of gear because we were, you know, wrapping off single uh, cams. It was just kind of a it was just a very <laughs> memorable climb i and i i enjoyed it did you enjoy yeah, it yeah yeah i think yeah. it was my most memorable yeah. climb too because it was it was just, big yeah it's big it for big. us kids yeah you said rappelling off single cams so you left cams behind oh on we it? left a whole rack oh, we got down we we got down to to where we could start hiking and we had a half a rope and because our rope got stuck our rope got we stuck yeah we were doing little half rappels and i think we had like uh, a couple wires and a sling left over. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We made it. Yeah, we made it. We don't care. Uh, oh, wild. Yeah, and you're yeah. in a third world country. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. It was such a mental thing to knowing that, that really there was no chance yeah. for rescue. There was no messing up. Don't screw you up. Just couldn't screw that up. was it. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something to that. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like being nope. in the front country yeah. and knowing that if something happens, I can be rescued. Yeah. But there's also, yeah. like, one of my most memorable climbs is Fish Hookerette on Mount Russell. Oh. And Whitney is just to the south of there. And that's, yeah. there's hundreds of people there. Yeah. But when we got to the top of Russell, it was just the people that were in our group. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's not as remote as what you're talking about. But, yeah. like, that is probably my most memorable climb where, you know, it just... You're just out there. Way and, out there. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Yeah. And being in view of McKinley or of uh, uh, Whitney, Whitney yeah. probably didn't make you feel any safer. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were still, yeah it's like we, a world apart, weren't you? Yeah. 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 We yeah. had a little epiphany one time. Remember, we were climbing on Sunday Wall and had stopped to have a snack, and we realized we didn't, we weren't carrying a pack. We had no rain gear. We had no extra clothing. We just ran down there and did this route. And we thought, you know, even though this truly is our backyard, you have to act like it's remote. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're out there. If you, if you make a mistake, even, even in your backyard, you gotta be prepared no mm -hmm. matter what. Yeah. And I think we, we yeah. used to let that slip a little bit, yeah. and uh, luckily we didn't have any yeah. problems that we had to really be rescued. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys, 
if you don't mind talking about Knowles a little bit, like you guys have been, you know, we were telling me earlier that they like just finished the trail for you. Like, was that the beginning of your relationship with Knowles or just over the years? Cause like you, you guys yeah. work with them quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, um, when they did that trail for us, we really kind of had no idea of much about Knowles at all. And then we didn't for many years, I say 15 years after that or so, but um, then, Oh, it wasn't really until we retired and started spending more time just here. Mm. And we're seeing them going up to do the climbs mostly on Sunday Wall there, you know, and Centaur. Centaur. Yes, Centaur, sorry. And, uh, um, and we had, had just, we just, Bob said, do you, do you have an instructor or is there a leader to your group? And the guy said, yeah, and, you know, up there in front. And so, Bob, you should tell the story. You're the one that talked. Oh, and funny. then Bob said, what, what do you guys think if we made a campground here for you guys to stay here instead of having to drive all the way up on top of the plateau and camp up there? Because they used to camp up there and have to drive, you know, an hour right. to come down here and do climbing. And he said, yeah, well, we'll talk to headquarters about it. And it took a couple of months, and we heard back from Knowles, and they said, that'd be great. <laughs> I can't imagine them saying no. So, yeah. So we did a lot of paperwork about um, the legality of it all and the, you know, kind of insurance thing. And, and it's a gift it's a gift to them so that, that it doesn't have to have a lot of legal stuff, mm. you know. So. Yeah. And we love it. And we, we, love, we love them. Right now, as we speak, there is a group of 17 students and five instructors that are here. And it's forecast snow tonight. And, <laughs> but they, they really are great. And it makes us happy to be able to share the land with, with an organization that we really believe in. Yeah. No, it's really cool. That, that's one of the things I've always really liked and respected about you is, you know, you are very welcoming and mm. you're all about like mm. letting people come and, and experience this and enjoy it, which is, it's really cool. Mm. Not a lot of people are that way. So yeah, it's very much appreciated. We haven't had a bad experience. Oh, good. That, yeah. That's really good. That was one of my questions. I was gonna yeah, <laughs> never, never, never had one. You know, you talk about stewards of, of climbing when we were talking earlier about, you know, painting a bad, a bad picture of climbers, uh, we feel like that this uh, National Outdoor Leadership School produces stewards for the outdoors. And they're, they're not only being taught climbing here, but they're on their semesters, they're learning the canyons in Utah. They're learning uh, life on the river, uh, winter camping, uh, backpacking in the, in the Wind Rivers and things. And it seems like every every one of these kids that comes out of this is just a, a high quality person who is just starting their lives, and we feel like, you know, why not help an organization like that yeah. to to continue their work? Yeah. And the instructors are the same way; they're just cool people, very yeah. very polite and respectful people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. You guys have been climbing here since the early 80s, and you were talking earlier about how like there was hardly anybody here back when you first started here, but I mean, it's definitely got more crowded here. Like what's your feeling on like when you guys first started coming here versus when you moved here versus now? Mm. 
You know, it's been so gradual, Randall, that, that uh, uh, you know, we see it, but it's been, a slow, it's been a slow increase. And to tell you the truth, in my mind, it's, it's not a deal. It's, it, it doesn't matter. You know, this is, this is what's going on. And no matter where you go and no matter how many people are on a particular route that you want to be on, you go somewhere else, especially in this canyon. There's plenty of, of, of other choices. And so, at least for me, I don't know if you feel different, Lisa, but <clears throat> I, I, I welcome uh, you know, the, the influx of climbers. You know? um, yeah, not a problem. Yeah, bring cool. them on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really yeah. feel that way. The more more people that are out here enjoying, great. The, everyone has been behaving. That's that's what I see. You know, everywhere I look, uh, climbers are behaving, and and until that doesn't happen, I can't see that uh, happening where they're not behaving. But uh, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. It it just seems like it's the trend of of everything. National parks are so much more pe people, but it's yeah. still beautiful. In national parks even though there's a lot of people and we <clears throat> we di we did climb at indian creek for example back in our early climbing days and uh, there weren't that many routes put up and uh, there weren't that many people there and it was quite a quite a sparse environment well we went out there to go camping at the campground that's at the end of indian creek and uh, oh my gosh it was it was a totally different scene. You know, there were so many people and so many young people, but everybody was happy in this uh, parking area that we happened to stop in. I mean, people were just happy and, you know, looking. It's like a party, wasn't it? It was like a big party. And <clears throat> there's so many routes now up in Indian Creek that, uh, yeah, it seems the trend of more people everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But if they're happy doing that, then I think it's great. Yeah. And, and while there's more people, there's more like-minded people also. Yes. So yeah. for me, like, especially when I lived in LA, I grew up in Los Angeles and I moved here uh, in my late twenties and I hated crowds. I hated being around people, but I would go hiking up in the mountains and everybody that I would come across hiking in the mountains was more like-minded. So I didn't mind being in the crowds out there. You know, like there's a mountain, the tallest mountain in LA County is 10,000 feet. It's called uh, Man Mount San Antonio, or everybody calls it Old Baldy or Mount Baldy. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. it's a really popular mountain to climb because it's only, there's a, a ski lift there. And in the summertime you can take the ski lift up and then you only have to hike like a mile and a half or two miles to get oh, to the yeah. summit. So it's really, tons of people up there. And that was like the first time that I was ever in a crowd of people where I was just kind of like, yeah, this isn't so bad. I'm like, okay. yeah. And I'm just chatting with everybody like, oh, Aww, this is great. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was when I first was like, okay, crowds aren't all bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. That it's like-minded people that are out here yeah. climbing now. Yeah. Yeah. I like and I, I feel that Unaweep has like a friendly atmosphere. I mean, I've definitely run into people who are just like, oh, you know, and... Yeah, it's like, well, you know, that's the experience that you're having, sure. and I'm not going to have your experience. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, for the most part, I find it to be yeah. to very friendly and inviting yeah. out here. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but, well, and for me, from my perspective, uh, I was actually taken aback by this when it first happened. But when I put up my first crag, uh, Other Mothers, uh, you know, I, I was on the board for the Climbers Coalition at the time. We had just built the parking lot, and I was one of the main people that raised money for that.
I'm not going to take all the credit. There's there was a whole group of us doing this, but I was like really driving to. I was holding fundraisers at my gym and all that mm. stuff. And so, like, I kind of felt like I maybe paid my dues a little bit before I ever put my first routes up, and I still got like blasted by people. Oh. It was only a handful of people. I was curious, like, did you guys ever experience that when you first put up your routes here? No, because we haven't been listening. <laughs> Maybe we've been blasted and we just don't know about it. You just didn't read the comments? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, we're, we're not on social media. And I don't, unless someone came up and said, hey, you guys screwed up on that route, uh, we wouldn't know. And no one's done that yet. Yeah. So we don't know. Maybe they are. May you tell us. If they, <laughs> would you let us know? Yeah, and even the Via Ferrata, which we didn't, you know, we weren't sure about when we put it up. Um, <clears throat> We thought a lot of people would be very against mm -hmm. against it and the whole idea of the Via Ferrata because when we were really into climbing, we would have never thought of a Via Ferrata. But now that we're older and uh, it, it's a great way for us to just keep climbing and for us to go up individually if we just want to go mess around on the rock is to climb the Via Ferrata. But we didn't know how real <clears throat> they're real strict ethical climbers would think about a Via Ferrata going up, but but we never heard we never heard anything, any kind of criticism until we just heard a lot of positive things that people like in town have heard about it and and uh, have asked, hey, where's the Unaweek Via Ferrata? Even though we've never, you know, we didn't publish it until until you did. Until we put it in the mini guide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I remember so, talking with you guys about that when yeah. we were discussing possibly putting it in the mini yeah. guide, and you know, like, and I heard from a lot of people that knew that it existed that you know a lot of people were concerned that it would upset people, um, and I remember you, I, I think it was you, Bob, that said that like you just have to look at it like it's not a climbing route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and once you start to like realize it's just something separate and it's in and of itself. Yeah. And, and you know, like this is it's a great Via Ferrata, but from car to car it's like an hour. Mm -hmm. And so there's never going to be something where people travel from Denver or Salt Lake or even right. you know Grand Junction is yeah. about the the farthest that people are going to travel to to come and do just yeah. that. So it's not like it's going to draw huge crowds or anything. Right. But you know, even if it did. As long as people are out having fun and, and yeah. it's on public land, that's what public land is all about. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was great when I heard you guys put that in and then I came up and climbed it with you guys and I saw the quality of the mm -hmm. the construction and everything that you guys did and I was like, yeah, this is excellent. It's a great addition mm -hmm. to the canyon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard. I mean, we really, we didn't know what to expect, but we have been um, happily surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Along those lines, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but like, you know, the ethics of development of routes in the canyons over the years, or in the canyon over the years. And it's different for every place. You know, like I started climbing at Taquitz, at least as far as multi-pitch went. And like that had that very old school ethic. You know, that, that's where the rating system started. You know, mm -hmm. the Yosemite Decimal System, all that. And I climbed in Joshua Tree and, and uh, Yosemite also. Um, but then, like, there was sport crags and whatnot, and each place had its own ethic. And then I moved to Colorado, and, like, the Colorado National Monument has its ethic. Escalante Canyon has its ethic. Mm -hmm. And Unaweep's always kind of had a similar ethic to those two. But, like, over the years, it feels like um, it's kind of shifted. And I like to think of it like uh, right now I think we're kind of in the silver age 
uh, at least as far as development goes in the canyon. You know, like the Platinum Age, they got to come in and pick all the plums like Titus mm. Grown and Sweet mm. Sunday Serenade. Mm. You know, when they walked in, like the whole canyon was open and it was like, oh, that looks great. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the Golden Agers came along and there were still plenty of cracks to climb. Um, but, you know, we're getting into the Silver Age where like all the pure cracks that go from bottom to top, They've been climbed. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's a handful. Don't you know? Mm -hmm. There's still some around. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Mother's Buttress, if you didn't place a bolt, you probably weren't the first ascensionist. Mm -hmm. And even then, sometimes if you did place a bolt, you might not have been the first yeah. ascensionist because yeah. some of those golden agers, yeah. they were bold. Yeah. Um, what yeah. What is your feel yeah. of like how like that has all changed over the years? Uh, is it welcome to see like things getting safer and it going in that direction, or do you kind of miss the the more dangerous, or not the more dangerous, but the more pure? Mm. I I welcome what's happened. I really do, and and really to tell you the truth, Randall, you're one of the reasons for that. That you've opened my eyes to uh, to this age, this new age, which is is uh, welcoming in. Uh, this this new crop of climbers who maybe aren't climbing uh, in a bold, uh, high difficulty, um, you know, uh, way, and uh, and I think because of you, we kind of continued with what we're doing here too, and oh, what you've done over you. there in Wildcat and other mothers and uh, different different places. It's uh, I think it's wonderful, and it's kind of changed our view. You know, make it a little safer, make it a little more welcoming for uh, for climbers, and that's what it's all about. It's not about uh, you know, like uh, stretching the bolts out, you know, in in uh, in Tuolumne or or uh, Taquitz. It it's different now, yeah. and I I welcome it. I'm I'm okay with that. It's nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that that was uh, kind of the questions I had about climbing, but I, I do want to talk about, uh, Lisa, you do a cleanup effort every year. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? <laughs> well. How that all started and everything? Yeah. <clears throat> when I turned 60, you know, a lot of my friends and people in my group had already turned 60 <laughs> by a few years. You looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, it's a pretty monumental thing, I think, to turn 60. A lot of stuff happens. You know, you get your senior discount at national parks at 62. Yeah. Medicare at 65. You know, so 60 is big. So I thought I want to do something big for my 60th year. And I didn't really think, you know, I couldn't really think. Kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And... Uh, we had a small group here that used to do highway trash pickup just for these two miles right along here, right by the cabin and all this. And I really enjoyed it. Mm. You know, we we just get out there every, I think you're supposed to do it three times or four times a year or something. And we probably did it more than that because it's easy and nice to just be walking around and picking up trash. And we were driving down <clears throat> the, the highway and I, I thought, I'm going to pick up trash from our on my 60th year. I'm going to pick up trash from our house down to Whitewater to Highway 50. And uh, and I said, you know, I I will welcome anybody that wants to come and pick up with me. 
but I won't ask anybody to come <laughs> and do it because this is a, my thing and it's, it's not a very easy thing. It's a lot of bending over, yeah. you know, but... Uh, you don't have trash pickupers or, you know, like... Well, it's all, you know, stuff's all stuck in the bushes uh, and under yeah. here and then it's odd shaped like bottles and all that. So I don't use that, but uh, so I did it. Um, on both sides of the rows, I start at the bottom and move up and... Uh, um, You've done that every year since. It was since. nice, and now I've done it. Every, I was just going to do it for my 60th year, <laughs> but now I have enjoyed doing it every year. So I've done it five years total. Wow. Yeah, I hope to do it till I'm 70, and then... Then you do it twice Then a Bob will take over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, yeah. I enjoy it. I, I just love this. I love this area. I love this canyon, yeah. and it's magical to me. Like Every day... The weather's different, the seasons are so different, and every day is magical. And I, I'm happy to give back a little bit by just picking up a little bit of trash. Uh, it's very much appreciated also. Oh, thank so you. Do you get any support Thanks. for this? or Like, do you yes, dispose the, of all the trash and everything too? No, the highway department is very nice to me, and I'm good friends with <laughs> the people that drive the highway truck up and down. You get but free orange bags. They give me orange bags, and I put all the trash in and put it, and then they drive up every day and pick up, pick up the bags, and yeah. I just put them on the side of the road, and... They pick it up and we wave to each other real big whenever they <laughs> drive by. So they're my good friends now. Nice. And when, yeah. she, when she finishes on the day, she usually brings me something like a, a socket or a wrench <laughs> that she finds. <laughs> something cat. cool. Swag. Yeah. Highway swag. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this, but I actually found a pair of fence pliers the other day on the side of the road that she probably would have brought to you. Oh, so yeah. A good one. Good one. Good it's, one. There's a lot of other trash I had yeah. to pick up with yeah. it, so I was like, oh, yeah. at least I got something out yeah. of that. Yeah, sure. Good. good. But that's okay, because you know the heavy stuff isn't that easy for me yeah. to pick up, because the bags get quite heavy. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever get other people that come out and do it with you? No, I'm not. Well, some sometimes, but they don't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I have one girlfriend that helped me for a mile, and uh, and. She, Somehow she hasn't quite uh, invited, uh, asked if she could come back. <laughs> and, but Bob helps me too, and uh, yeah. How many miles is that? Well, we're at 18.8 miles here, so it's really 19 miles to Highway 50 from here. But I just go to the um, to the trail uh, uh, at the start of the Tabawatch, the parking lot at the start of the Temple Watch Trail. Okay. So I just go to there and after that there's some signs that say other people are responsible for trash pickup through there. So I don't miles go maybe? past there. So yeah, probably maybe uh, yeah, maybe it's 17 times 2 is 34 miles because I do both sides of the street. Wow. How long does that take you? One month. It takes a whole month. <laughs> yeah, because I can't do it every day. I get uh -huh. a little tired and plus I get... Um, a little grumpy <laughs> because I don't understand. <laughs> the more I pick up, you know, I get to feeling like, now what kind of person would throw this down? Or, you know, why would somebody throw this down? Yeah. And so if I do it much more than three days in a row, I start to get thinking more about it. Mm. Where if I just do it like two days in a row, I don't have to think so much about it. I just put it in the bag and move <laughs> on. So mentally, and physically, it's easier for me to do like two days in a row, and then. But I do the whole. I give myself the whole month of April. 
Mm. So April is my trash pickup month. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> Do you feel like it's getting better or worse, staying the same? The first year it was a lot of trash. Like proper, I had um, in those uh, 30, say 34 miles, I probably had 150 bags of trash. Wow. And now I probably have, uh, uh, and then since then it's been a bit consistent of about two bags of trash per mile. Oh, so yeah, that's a but, big improvement. It's a better, yeah, yeah, very good. But um, it's surprising that in one year I still can pick up two bags of trash per mile. It's yeah. surprising, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm stepping out of the role now, but I was the president of the paddling club, the Grand or Grand Valley Paddling Club in Junction, and we host the Big River cleanup every yeah. year. Yeah, and it just blows me away how every year. I mean, we do this. We were doing the cleanup twice a year for a couple of years there. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we would do it in the spring and then come back in the fall or late summer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, man, we just did a cleanup. Really? How could yeah. it be this messed up again yeah. already? Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a bummer to, to go through an area and just be like, man, like we okay. just picked this up. Yeah. So it's good to hear that at least this is improving. Yeah. And uh, yeah. well, and I know that the Climbers Coalition does some cleanups, but we're, we, when we do them, uh, the BLM actually asks us not to go by the road. Uh, because we don't have all the safety stuff and all that. Um, so most of our cleanups are more inland. So it's really good that nice. somebody's going through and cleaning yeah. up by the road. Mm. So yeah. thank you yeah. very much for that. Yeah, really well, thank you it. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Group effort, I think. If, <laughs> if everybody just picks up where the, wherever they see trash, yeah. it will yeah. help. Um, and then several years ago, you guys held an adventure race here in Unaweep. I, I You've told me a little bit of the story, but I've got to hear mm. more of this story. So... We've had two of them actually, and and we we had friends in in town. Uh, Nate Wilson uh, was of the same mind that a lot of these races that uh, that you'd like to do, the entry fees were so so high, so ex it was so expensive to run them, and so we thought of of having uh, what what we called the Poor Boy series. You're on your own, <laughs> and so yeah, up here we. Well, uh, our group with Nate and some other folks, we had 24-hour uh, and 12-hour bike rides up on the Uncompagre, um, just uh, self-supported, um, swag from town. And we decided to have an adventure race here one year. It went off very well, and we, we did the same the next year, uh, a year it or two later. 2003 and then 2005. Okay, a couple years later, yeah. But, yeah, um, it, it included biking, uh, running, Hiking, steep hiking, places carrying your bike, uh, tight wire uh, <laughs> maneuvers uh, as a team, uh, orienteering, and they lasted anywhere from, oh, uh, first place teams maybe five hours to nine hours. Wow. You know, big races, yeah. And at the end of the day, we came back here to the house and had hot dogs and beers and uh, gave gave away swag that the shops in town gave us, so people got guidebooks and you know water bottles and things like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that was how, how many people did you have coming out for that? Oh, there was maybe fifteen or twenty per oh. race. Yeah, right. they were free. Yeah. Oh, free? No, they were yeah, free. Totally free. Yeah. It's for poor people. 
<laughs> so, so I take it you didn't have permits or any of that stuff for that? No. No. No <laughs> permits. Just go. Yeah. Uh, you could get yeah. away with more of that stuff back then. But yeah. 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 Nowadays, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I, I have working relationships with most of the land managers because of my time both on the Climbers Coalition and the Paddling yeah. Club. And maybe I'm just more in tune with it than I would have been back then. But yeah. Wow. Well, you do um, it right, Randall. Yeah. I try. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I do some of it right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's really cool. I remember when I first moved here, it was 2005, and I heard about it, and I moved here, what was it? It would have been in August, and I remember hearing about it and be like, oh man, because I I was interested in doing Mm. an adventure race, Mm. but yeah, there are hundreds of dollars, Yeah. and I don't remember it being, I didn't remember it being free or any of that stuff, but I was like, oh, I should check that out, and then it never happened again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shoot. But you know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of climbing, what makes Unaweep home? Outside of climbing, oh, well, our place, our cabin here. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes it home, really, isn't it, Lise? Yeah, and we, we hike a lot. Yeah. Yeah, do, go up behind the house here, do, do big loops across, over on the plateau there, and up on there, up behind the house, and yeah. hiking. We just love and, the area. And, and the, our neighbors. A lot of neighbors have come and gone, and uh, so we have a nice community yeah. here. Of, we, like, we like a lot of our neighbors, and, um, and music. We have um, our neighbors, you know, play, we play music with our neighbors to yeah. get together for music nights, and that's a big deal for us. Yeah. No, that river trip that I did with you guys where we did Ruby Horse Thief, and then you guys started playing music it was great that was, that was like a fun trip that, that was one of the best trips i've ever been on oh, really? yeah it was oh. it was really fun wow, yeah. as i recall it was yeah. one of the best dinners i've ever had yeah. well, thank you thank That's you right. <laughs> we all will always remember that dinner it was yeah. delicious yeah and, and so that was a, a test dinner for uh the adaptive climbers festival i, I helped design yeah. the menu and everything for that right. And that was a test with a big group. Yeah. And I took that and multiplied that by the number of yeah. people I had for the Climbers Festival. So you guys were guinea pigs also. Did it go it well? well? It did, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the festival, we so like I, I cooked a lot for veterans groups before. And, you know, not to stereotype or anything, but most veterans are meat and taters type people. Yeah. And so, you know, the standard American fare. Then I start cooking for this Adaptive Climbers Festival, and I'm just like, Nobody's touching the meat and all the vegetables went really quickly. Uh, and so we've actually like shifted and I, it, I have an amazing crew that helps out with this yeah. kitchen. Um, like it, it's one of those crews where like if like I'm the head, I've got a co-director. Um, he handles like a lot of the equipment and he handles like his aspects and I handle my aspects. And like if something happened to one of us, the other one could take over and do mm. it. But then on top of that, there's like two or three other people that could just as easily step into that role and also mm. take over. And it's just so mm-hmm. nice because like a lot of times when I do something, I'm like forced to do everything because there's nobody else that is either willing or could step up to to handle it. Yeah. And, and so to go to this event and just be like, you guys don't even need me. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah, nice. It, it is yeah. not that I don't feel like I shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, like it, it's I'm wanted. I'm not needed yeah. there. And it's, yeah. You're it's just really a cool. good, you're a good leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, maybe nice. that's part of it, but I think it's, yeah. I got lucky with getting amazing yeah. people nice. coming in and helping with it. So cool. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so you guys were the guinea pigs for that. And then I just took the number. We had what, like eight or 10 people on that trip. Something like that. Yeah. I just multiplied by how many people and the, mm. the portions came out perfect wow. and everything. Yeah, but uh, 
yeah it, it was really a good experience to be there this year so yeah, yeah. um so anyways i ramble um so we're kind of coming to the end of this and i, I want to start asking this question to everybody that i interview but uh who else can you think of that you you think of as like a pivotal person in this canyon that i should reach out to to maybe either get an interview like this or even just to like get information from and get mm -hmm. stories from. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any names of people I should talk to? I can think of someone from the past and someone from the present okay. who I'd like to share. Uh, the, 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 the person who's doing a lot of work uh, here in the canyon and appreciating uh, the canyon is Dan Ben Horan, who lives just down the street. Have you met Dan? Oh, yeah. Dan's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he yeah. would be a... He'd be, he's, he'd be a good guy to talk to also. And then someone uh, our age, Barry Chamberlain and his brother Tom, yeah. who lives, Barry's still here. I believe he's still here in Grand Junction. Tom lives in Montrose. But those two are, oh boy, they're, they're fun hogs from way back. <laughs> you know, whether it was uh, uh, taking their kayaks down West Creek, which runs, you know, uh, it's runnable maybe once or twice a year. Right. Uh, they put up you know, several climbs here in Escalani, and they're, they're both pioneers, uh, uh, certainly in spirit, and a lot of their work is, is pioneer-like. Yeah. So they would be fun. They, well, didn't they write a guidebook for Class 5 kayaking or something I like that? I don't know. Oh, they probably Maybe. did. Sounds yeah. like they it. I, I, I know their names from the or kayaking world yeah. no more than yeah. I know them from the climbing world. Yeah. yeah. But I do, like, the, the old Casey Baum guidebook has their name in here quite a bit. Okay. Though most of the stuff that their name's on is on private property and it's closed now. So oh, probably. Hopefully, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. they put up some stuff on public land, too, yeah. or at least yeah. they still have access yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's part of history, I guess. But yeah. see, that, I mean, that's the way it was back then. We just didn't pay that much attention to if it was on private land or not. Yeah, we, maybe yeah. we should have. We would have been forward thinkers, I think, had we done yeah, that. Can maybe. you think of anyone else? Mm -mm, those, are, yeah. those are two that we talked about. So along with that, did you guys ever get chased off when you were climbing? Oh, you said that your neighbor... When you're on the yeah. sun towers. But That's the only time. He, he just didn't know what was going on. You kids, get you're going to hurt yourselves. Get <laughs> off of there. That was what it was. It wasn't like, get off my land. Right. He was just, you know, cons what is going on up there? Yeah. Then once we met him uh, in that moment, he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds fun. Maybe yeah. I'll go up with you one time. Yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that might be a lot of the reason, you know, like uh, people just don't understand how much we all have in common. You know, like a buddy of mine was part of an organization that would go to all the different trails groups and just be like, well, yeah, you ride a dirt bike, but, and you ride a mountain bike, but like, don't you guys both have a kayak in your garage? Uh, and they'd be like, well, yeah, like, see, yeah. like, are we really all yeah. that different? Yeah. yeah. And I think like if we yeah. kind of reached out more and talked to each other more, and there's definitely those that like, no matter what, like some people moved out to the middle of nowhere to be in the middle of nowhere and not be around other people. Yeah. Right. And, and that should be respected. And sure. that's their lifestyle that mm -hmm. they want to live. But I think there's plenty of people that are nice, friendly people that just don't, yeah. you know, don't mm -hmm. understand or don't know mm -hmm. like what yeah. we're all about. Yeah. Maybe. Well, mm -hmm. and then there's also some bad interactions here and there. And, mm -hmm. you know, it is a small community. So when something happens on some property down Canyon, people down the opposite mm -hmm. side of the Canyon hear about it. And then, yeah. Yeah. well, I don't want to deal with that too. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine that that's part of it. Yeah. But as much as I love this canyon, it's it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes to drive through here and realize that like probably a good 
you know, I'm just throwing a number out, but I'm probably pretty close to my estimate is a good 80 to 85% of the climbable cliffs on this canyon are yeah. on private property that aren't, or on public land with private property in front, so right. it can't be accessed. Yeah. So I, I think if that weren't the case, this would be like one of the top spots to climb mm. in Colorado because the mm. climbing here is excellent. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a matter of like, there's just a ton of private property here. Yeah. So, yeah. and for the better and for the worse. Yeah. You know? It is as it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it breeds hope for, for the future because like, you know, I, I talked earlier about how I think we're currently in the silver age where there's still a lot of uh, pockets to be found, but like, you know, the plums have been picked. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody who's ever thought about developing in this canyon has driven up and down yeah. here with binoculars, yeah. Yeah. looking at every piece of cliff, looking yeah. for that, that yeah. prime line. Yeah. Um, so like all that stuff has been done, but like there's definitely, like I, I keep finding little tiny pockets where there's four or five routes and they're good quality routes, yeah. but right. they would have totally been passed over when there was like much yeah. bigger, better stuff right. to, yeah. to be picking through. You're really good at that. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate yeah. it. Um, but I, I see like, you know, like the cliff that's right across the street from you guys, if just one of those properties was bought by somebody who was climber-friendly, that would open up thousands of square feet of climbing. Yeah. And, and that cliff's got to be at least four or 500 feet tall. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, well, you said you have a route over there. We do. Yeah. yeah. How many pitches is that route? Uh, two are completed. It, it yeah. would be three, three full pitches to the, to the rim. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't complete the, the top one, so... Uh, but the owner of the land there is uh, amenable to uh, to people going through there oh. if, if they if ask. They ask. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We would have to develop that a little bit yeah. with her, but I think she would be okay with that. Well, I think that when it comes to stuff like that, and I'm thinking about this as a uh, from the perspective of a guidebook author as I'm working on the guidebook. Um, I think that putting something like that in the guidebook and saying, oh yeah, just go ask the person. Yeah. That would draw too much to it. It is cool to hear that she might be open to that. Yeah. Seeing the way that the canyon's going where, you know, like I, I, I think that the very first spec home has now been built. And what I mean by that, like somebody bought the property, built a house on it, built a really nice fancy house with the intention of selling it for a huge profit. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I believe that the first one just hit the canyon, and if they make a huge profit off of that, like you won't be able to afford property in this canyon. Like mm. the average person won't. And so it will become more important for us as climbers to, you know, have more people caring about it, because mm -hmm. more money will need to be raised. Mm -hmm. You know, to buy those two properties that we bought, I, I want to say it was somewhere around. I was heavily involved in it at that time, but I don't remember numbers very well. I want to say it was under two hundred thousand, though. I, I bet you yeah. we won't ever be able to to get two yeah. properties for that price again. So, yeah, yeah. and you know, yeah. for the good and for the bad. I mean, that's just the way that the the everything goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and that's one of the things that makes people like you special, where you're willing to just yeah. invite people. You know, you developed a, a bunch of the routes, but like building the trails. You know, I, I know a couple yeah. people that live in this canyon that are climbers that own property in this canyon. And still just like, no, no, that that's my cliff. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Part of me gets I it. Do. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Talk good that people yeah. like you exist. Yeah. <laughs> Talking with you actually makes me want to maybe investigate a little little more uh, effortfully. 
talking to some of our neighbors and seeing if we can maybe, if they okay, you know, someone like across the way who has the land at the bottom and just a single little single track trail that goes through there away from their house and allows someone to get up on the cliff. You know, if we get a little, a start or two, you know, a house or two, household or two that can do that, that may be, yeah. that may be helpful, may be useful. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you, if you find somebody who's willing to do that, get in with the Climbers Coalition because yeah. they could do something. You know, yeah. it could even be something where we subdivide that off mm -hmm. or uh, get a legal yeah. easement to where their liability just completely mm -hmm. goes away. Mm -hmm. But that's all stuff that you would want to talk I'm, Yeah, I'm not an expert on all that. I, we yeah. have lawyers yeah, for that. Yeah, we are neither. Yeah, yeah. 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 cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Well, um, that pretty much wraps up. I mean, unless there's something that you guys want to add. No, we, we appreciate talking yeah, with you. It's yeah. been it's fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, no, I've really yeah, enjoyed yeah. this. And yeah. I, yeah. like I was saying earlier, I think that this is... Uh, it's all about like just getting the stories from people and kind of hearing like, you know, what people's opinions are on things. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think if you're not in the loop, everything becomes mythical. Mm. And so like when I first moved here, you know, Unaweep was mythical. Like there yeah. was these mythical people that did this yeah. thing. And I kind of hope with this that like we can kind of humanize the experience yeah. for people and like make people realize that like, no, we're just all a bunch of people that are out here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most yeah. people are of the opinion that all the old school climbers are against bolts and they're against mm -hmm. letting people know about the climbing mm -hmm. and all that. So to talk to two people that have been here since the 80s yeah. that are, are welcoming and inviting of people, I think that will help, you know, make people realize that like, no, there's a select handful of people that are against yeah. it. Mm -hmm. But I think the majority of people aren't. So. Yeah. So I really yeah. appreciate it. And yeah, well, we appreciate you, Randall, and <laughs> appreciate you. that you're doing this too yeah. because you're documenting you're documenting history. I'm trying. That's yeah. a big. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, and all of your development you. that you've been doing has been yeah. wonderful too. We oh, do right. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we know a lot of people who appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I, I do it as a selfish venture. I mean, it really is for me because like I enjoy developing yeah. kind of more than I enjoy climbing these days. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of cool that people enjoy it. So yeah. I, I do yeah. appreciate that aspect. Yeah. And, and for me, it's always been about making things accessible. Um, and, and I work a lot with people with disabilities and part of it is like for that, but then also like, you know, just anybody, like if you're new to climbing and that's something like when I first moved here, like that just didn't exist. And you know, like the sun towers was one of the few places where I can bring a pure beginner and know that they were going to make mm -hmm. it to the top mm -hmm. and not have a bad mm -hmm. experience for their very first time. Yeah. You know, it was that, or it was Don Juan and Bandito, which yeah. I don't know if I'll ever climb those routes again, just because I climbed them so many times. Yeah. Uh, and they're good yeah. routes, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. just, you yeah. know, climbed them so many yeah. times. Um, but yeah, so it's great that people like you are in the Canyon and that you do so much for the community. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Great.